0: guy that knew the answer to every single question that could ever be asked didn't actually give the answers to them
1: really what did he do what did he, he do? engaged in the relationship i'm convinced that's a like relationship the he just wants to relate to you
0: i was digging that music the video not so much but the music i was like
1: mm. he just wants to relate to you and that's the essence of jesus
0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Reactionary Christian, where we react against anti-Christianity and the general insanity of our times. I am your host, the one and only Gabriel, the prophetic interpretive dancer, Finocchio, and uh, we've got a great show for you today. Uh, Lots of content to talk about and a lot of stuff to react to. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about, we're going to, we're going to talk about kind of the meaning of the show. This is our pilot show, I suppose. This is our first, uh, jaunt, if you will, uh, around the block. And so we're going to walk before we, we run here. And, uh, today I just kind of want to, I'm going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to cover some content. We've got some content. Okay. It's going to be good, but I kind of want to start By talking about the nature of our show, Um, what does it mean to be a reactionary Christian? Uh, The word reactionary has a negative connotation in our culture today, in our society today, and I want to change that. I don't, I don't like that negative connotation. Um, You know, uh, people will will you know bristle at the word reactionary, Um, and what we hear a lot of is. You know, I I don't want to react. I want to respond. You know, and really, <laughs> I think that's just a semantic issue. You're you we're talking about uh, words that you know it's a distinction without a difference. Re- reacting and responding, uh, in my opinion, it's a re- it's a distinction without a difference because you can respond negatively uh, just as much as you can react negatively. Uh, but a reaction and, and a response aren't they, they can both be positive you can have a positive reaction to something and so what i want to do is i want to react positively in the direction of historic christian orthodoxy i want there are and, and why am i a reactionary because there are things that i love there are things that i think are good that I want to conserve and i love what chesterton uh said about this topic um here i have the chesterton digital library pulled up which is a great resource for studying the works of gk chesterton this is all thanks to the gk chesterton society um the society as it says of gilbert keith chesterton they've created this they've launched the beginnings of a digital library for chesterton's works and um Not everything is on there, uh, but a lot of it is, and so you can kind of search different things, which I love. And um, in 1909, Chesterton wrote an introduction to a book called uh, Past and Present, which was, as he notes here, published in 1843. It was by a guy named Thomas Carlyle, and... In this introduction, it's brilliant as all of Chesterton's work is, but he says, he says this, he says, the term reactionary is generally used as a term of offense, just as the term progressive is used as a term of praise. But only once in a hundred times is either of them used so as to convey any meaning or truth. And that's so true. If you look at the word progressive, that's you know, conservatives and and traditionalists look at the word progressive as, oh, that's a dirty word, right? But to actually progress in something, to make progress in something, that's good. That's actually properly used. That's a good term. It's just that it's, 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 there is a sort of stigma uh, uh, to that word uh, that is, that is particular to the left. And there are, so, I don't think we should be throwing the baby out with the bathwater on these terms. So let's continue. Chesterton says, yet though the words have become a mere hackneyed can't, which can't is, uh, an English word for nonsense. Um, uh, he says they have their proper use. P- progress means persistence in the direction of one object maintained for a considerable period. Well, that's, I agree. That's what that's what progress is, and uh, reaction means some upheaval of disgust or contradiction, which overthrows the recent persistence and appeals back perhaps to its opposite. I love that definition. I mean, that's, it's a little bit verbose uh, in terms of the, de- the definition and he changed, he goes, he, he makes it a little bit more precise later on, but that's so good. I love that, a- that a- aspect of, of reaction. You know, it's, it's upheaval of disgust or contradiction to say, no, you know, I'm reacting against this. No, I don't. I don't like that. Um, or it's a contradiction. It's saying I'm, I have a, uh, uh, something to say about that. That is the opposite of the truth that you're purporting, you know, and I think that's healthy, right? So he's saying, um, he goes off into uh, some some illustrations of what he means. But then he, he comes back at the end. He says, progress happens, in short, whenever men can endure one tendency for a long time. And reaction happens whenever some particular man can endure it no longer. Well, let me just tell you right now, I'm the man who can endure it no longer. <laughs> I don't know about you. Okay, I don't know where you're at with things in in our society in 2023, but I can endure it no longer. Um I I'm done with I'm going to you know this show exists to break the social conditioning. This show exists to contradict the uh fallacies of our times. This show exists so that we can speak truth to error and speak light to darkness and um and get it and and and, you know, really wrestle against the principalities and the powers that exist in our society, right? How many know we don't wrestle against flesh and blood? We wrestle as Christians against principalities and powers, against the works of darkness. And that's why I'm a Christian reactionary, right? I'm a, I'm a reactionary Christian, um, and that's, that's why this show is called The Reactionary Christian, because we are going to react against things. Uh, we are going to wrestle against things, but those things are not flesh and blood. Those things are principalities and powers. And so those things are uh, any ideas that exalt themselves above the knowledge of Christ. And so uh, that's, I believe, what Christians should be doing. Notice what Paul says in Galatians about this in uh, Galatians chapter 6. Oh, English Standard Version. Love it. Um, No, sorry, Galatians chapter 6. What am I talking about? See, I don't even know my own Bible. Gabe, you don't even know your own Bible. You shouldn't be doing this show. Okay. Okay. Uh, Look what he says. Galatians chapter 6, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Well, this is for everybody. The whole armor of God should be put on by every single Christian. No, Gabe, I thought, wait a minute, Gabe. I thought that Christianity was just, you know, a good time. I thought we were going to go on a Disney cruise, Gabe. (laughs) No, Christianity's not a Disney cruise. I apologize. I'm sorry. You were misinformed. Um, You know, maybe we can get you a refund. Uh, you know, or talk to a manager or something, uh, or perhaps you should just go back to the church that you were not properly discipled in and tell them, you know, that they owe you some money or something or some time back in your life. Because the truth is that we are to put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand against. Whoa, 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 Gabe, I'm not interested. I don't want to be. I don't see. I don't want to be standing against.
1: I don't want people to know what I'm against. I want people to know what I'm for. I want to be positive, you know, this is, this is what, this is what I'm against, okay, I'm against
0: this nebulous, ambiguous, uh, positivism, optimism in Christianity that is an import from, you know, positive thinking and, and the whole dumb um, school of psychology that is rooted in rootlessness. And, um, I'm going to stand against as Christians, we are called to stand against the schemes of the devil. The devil is at work in the world and he is trying to destroy souls. He's trying to ruin souls and, and drag them into hell by deception and by error and by, uh, e- e- evil, you know, uh, running rampant. And we have to stand against that. As Christians, we have to react against the evil schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle, but we do wrestle. Hey, hey, we do wrestle, you know, because there's a lot of people that are going to be like, well, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, Gabe, okay? We're pacifists, okay? We're Christian pacifists. Well, Paul wasn't a Christian pacifist. He wrestled. Now, he said, I don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Okay. I'm not, this isn't MMA. So if you can, you know, if you're thinking this is going to be a show on about MMA, uh, you're wrong. Okay. And the dudes who are into MMA, I have nothing against you necessarily. Um, although, you know, I don't think that, um, women should be into MMA. I think that's wrong. Okay. Well, that that's a whole other show. And, um, I don't think they should be into it and I don't think they should be in it. Okay. How about that? So primarily in it, but We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle and we, we wrestle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this dark, present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So our job is to then take up the whole armor of God so that we can stand so that we may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm, we need to be firm in our convictions. We need to be firm in our beliefs, uh, and we need to be firm in our faith. We need to be firm in our hope. We need to be firm in our love. We need to be firmly uh, for the 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 righteousness, peace, and joy that is in the Holy Spirit, which is the kingdom of God. And we need to be against the kingdom of the devil. We need to be against uh, the 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 you know the evil in our in our lives, the the evil in our society. Um, And we need to stand there for having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Anyways, Paul goes into it and, oh, I love this. He's describing all these things, the shield of faith, um, and then taking this helmet of salvation. And then he says, the sword of the spirit. Yes, hello. This is the weapon of offense, right? This is the only weapon in the armory. Notice that. Paul talks about um, a breastplate. He talks about the shoes. He talks about uh, the belt. Where's the belt? Well, he talks about the shield of faith, um, the helmet of salvation. Oh, here's the belt of truth right up here in verse 14. But then the only weapon is the sword. Come on, baby, the sword. And it's what? The sword of the spirit, the Holy Spirit. And and, And what is he specifically talking about? He's explicitly talking about the word of God. The word of God is our sword. That is how the devil was defeated by Jesus with the sword of the spirit. Je- the devil came to Jesus in the wilderness, and what did Jesus do? He he pulled out his sword and he just Jedi mastered the devil in half. Okay, like three times. He beat the devil with his Jedi sword, and that's what we're gonna be doing. We're gonna be doing some Jedi training here. Okay, I'm maybe I'm just a Padawan. Maybe I'm an aspiring Jedi. Maybe I'm not Master Yoda, but I'm maybe maybe I'm more like a yo- a young Luke Skywalker. Okay. And, um, and you know, the truth is, is that, uh, the men who I love and respect, they are Yodas and they are guys like GK Chesterton, guys like Leonard Ravenhill, guys like St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, there, there are a number of men who have, who have trained me in the word of God and who are continuing to train me, uh, uh, in the word of God. And, they have trained my sword we need but the as christians we need to use our swords this is for everybody this isn't just for me this show is for everybody this podcast is for everybody and we need to be trained in the word of god we need to but and i'm all for all the defensive armor but but the sword is a, is a is not a, a piece of defensive armor it's a piece of offensive armory it is a piece of offensive uh, uh, um, it's we- weaponry is what it is. So this is, this is a weapon and we're going to use our weapons. Okay. We're going to use our, our, our lightsabers. Okay. Spiritual lightsabers for Jesus. Okay. And we are going to kill some, <laughs> we are going to kill some demons in world of Warcraft. Okay. <laughs> Cause this is going on YouTube. So, we're not advocating for violence. We're this. We're talking about World of Warcraft, killing the demons in World World of Warcraft. Um, no, in the spiritual realm, uh, and and we're we're killing bad ideas. We're we're killing error. We're we're killing darkness. Right. Okay, getting back to Chesterton. So <laughs> that was a little bit of a you know excursus, right? But let's get back to what he said because I love what he says. He says progress happens in short when, whenever men can uh, endure one tendency for a long time. Well, we've had a long time of garbage progress progress that is going off of a cliff. And he says reaction happens whenever some particular man can endure that progress no longer. And these definitions are simple, but I believe them to be comprehensive. A progress, a, uh, sorry, a progressive is always a conservative. He conserves the direction of progress. A re- reactionary is always a rebel. And so Chesterton is uh, going to uh, go down a little bit. F- uh, he's gonna he's gonna continue writing about Carlyle, but he's gonna go a little bit further down. He says this about Carlisle. He says, um, and the cause of this lies in his oh actually hold on hold on hold on let me let me go up just a bit here because he does say some interesting things he says the renaissance or sorry let's go up a little bit remember that if it be true that all reactionaries are rebels it is even more certain than that most rebels are reactionaries every sudden movement which has gone forward has looked back. That's a massive point. Every sudden movement which has gone forward has looked back. And this is ch- part of Chesterton's critique of futurism. This idea that we look forward to the future. We don't know what the future holds, but we just we just want to go there. We don't know what it is, but we just want to be there. And this it's we we have in our society today a worship of the future, a worship of the unknown, a worship of this this mindless progress where we don't know where we're, we're going but we're just excited to get there and Chesterton is critiquing that and he critiques that uh, all throughout his life but notice what he says he says the Renaissance looked back to pagan art the French Revolution looked back to pagan politics and it was in the same way that medieval art was looked back to by Ruskin and medieval politics by Carlisle so he's saying that these great men of the 19th century Ruskin and Carlisle they looked back and they found ideals in the past and they were trying to you know bring those ideals back into from the past into the the uh the present, and that's how it determined the future. The future is in in reality when it's good is always go, uh, an appeal backwards uh to something in the past that has happened in and and then bringing it into the present. And that's how the future is actually made. It's uh you know pe- people who worship the future they are worshiping a featureless thing, and um and they are you know they become featureless uh, by doing it. And so, and that's why you see all the futuristic, futuristic uh, architecture and stuff is 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 gross. You know, it's all like brutalist, and uh, and in in like five years, you know, people hate it. You know, and um, the communists were futurists in that regard. You know, looking for a dawning of the new man and. Uh, look at all their architecture. It's gross. It's crumbling. Everybody hates it. But okay, let's get down here um, to this last bit here. In Chesterton is describing Carlisle. He says, the cause of this lies in um, his character, Carlisle's character as a reactionary. A reactionary, as we have said, means a conservative in revolt. So this is the definition that I'm using for being a reactionary. Uh, I am a conservative Christian in revolt. I am a conservative, uh, not in any political sense uh, with a capital C. I'm a conservative because there are certain things, small, lowercase c, there are certain things that I love, like Christianity. And I don't want them to die. I don't want them to Uh, uh, be uh, dismissed in our society. I don't want them to be degenerated in our society. I don't want them to be eroded and corroded by corruption in our society, uh, in the church. I want to conserve historic Christian orthodoxy. I love it. I think it's a good thing. And because I love it, I am going to oppose everything and anything that comes against it. So I am going to conserve Christianity. And I think we should also conserve within that sanity, uh, human sanity. And right now we can see it's not just Christianity that's on the line, it's even sanity that's on the line. In our society, we have people who are denying basic fundamental truths about existence, about facts, about life. And we are going crazy uh, in, in that sense, collectively, and uh, you know, I can endure it no longer as Chesterton says. So I am. And and so basically what I'm doing is I'm revolting in my reaction as a conservative, I am revolting against what I think is wrong. And, and, and I'm, you know, the, 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 the progress of our day has put us, uh, at the edge of the cliff, and I want to say, no, I'm not going to keep. I'm not going to be progressive by jumping off the cliff and continuing to go in that direction. I'm going to react and revolt against the direction that we're going, and I want to go in the. I want to go in the opposite direction <laughs> that we came, uh, and I want to go back to the main road that we got off of and and got onto this this you know uh perilous pathway and i want to go back to the main road go back to historic christian orthodoxy and then you know assess what we've you know how to how to properly go uh and get to uh where we need to go from there so so that's, that's basically the, uh, the point of the show, right? The point of the, the point of the podcast is to help people get back to the main road of historic Christian orthodoxy. We need to get back. We need to go back. We need to, um, we need to get back to where you once belong, right? Just like, just like the Beatles said, that's why I'm a big Beatles fan. Cause I think we need to get back cue the music for get back um but no we need to really repent there's a repentance that is involved in going back like the prodigal son went back he returned to the house of his father and our society is at a at a point of prodigality where we have squandered the wealth that has been given to us by previous generations we have squandered the um the capital that has been accrued for us and saved up for us by previous generations. We have, we have wasted our lives on wantonness. We have wasted our lives on foolish things, on idleness. And, um, we have prided ourselves in our degeneracy. And now things are coming to, um, a standstill and things are degenerating quickly. And we are noticing that and, the only option is really repentance or a sort of um you know a, a sort of <laughs> really sui- cultural suicide and i believe the demons are saying cultural suicide and i believe the holy spirit the angel and the angels are saying repentance <laughs> let's go back let's go back to the house of our father and our fa- our forefathers and the church fathers hello hello um, so let's go back. Let's repent. Let's go back to the house of our fathers. And that is the, the, the conservative in revolt. We need to, it's, it's, we need to cause in ourselves a repentance. Um, and, and by the grace of God, we, we can repent, uh, really because the grace of God is the cause of all things, even repentance, all good things come from the grace of God. And so we, I want to in this show really provide a way that we can react against a bunch of things. We're going to have a lot of fun. It's not always going to be super deep and super serious, and uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to have a lot of fun, but I just wanted to share my heart uh, about this show with you and this podcast, and and just you know, hopefully, um, hopefully we can maintain this direction of. Reacting in the right way, reacting in a positive way um, to a negative thing. And that's really what I want to do. Um, so, without further ado, uh, let us get into some content. Now, um, I'm just going to be kind of pulling up uh, a couple videos and I'm just going to be critiquing them and uh, reacting to them. And our first video here today. Um, The look at this. The first video here today that I'm going to be reacting to is it's by a woman. Who would have thought? (laughs) Who would have thought? I just want to thank all women everywhere, all women preachers everywhere, um, because they're just providing me with so so much amazing content. Um, And I also just want to say before I get into this. If you have content that you want to send, if you have uh, videos that you want me to react to, um, perhaps we can make that into a segment where you send me a video and I react to a video that you've sent me, or you can just send me stuff, and we can take it from there. But anyway, let's get into this. This is a video um, by New Life North. I don't know, let's see. New Life North is a church and uh, it's called Colorado Springs. That's awesome. Okay, so let's watch this. Hold on. Here we go.
1: Jesus asks a lot more questions than he answers. Oh. If you want to look more like Jesus, start getting really interested in people. Okay. In fact, recorded in the Gospels Matthew, Mark, and Luke and John, you have 184 questions recorded that people asked to Jesus. Really? Of those 184 that he was asked, he only answered three directly. But uh, he was asked 184 He was, he was asked in the gospels <laughs> What? Asking 307 questions I sometimes get intimidated oh, to asked. share my faith Because I'm like what if I don't know the answer to every single question that could ever be asked I have really good news for you The guy that knew the answer to every single question that could ever be asked Didn't actually give the answers to them Really? What did he do? What did he, he do? engaged in the relationship I'm convinced that's The like relationship the Of what he wants with you He doesn't want you to come to church and gain a little bit of knowledge He wants you to like Ooh relationship and even that word relate is in there he wants to relate with you he just wants to relate to you i was
0: digging that music the video not so much but the music i was like mm. he just
1: wants to relate to you girl <laughs> he just wants to relate to you he just wants to relate to you and that's the essence of jesus
0: you know Um, I, that's just me. That's just me jamming. You know, that's maybe that's the new song for a new segment. You know, uh,
1: (laughs) he just wants to relate to you. Oh, he wants to relate to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. (laughs) So this is a fun one. Um, it kind of sucks because I can't like pause the video where I want to pause it. Um, or can I? Can I pause the video where I want to pause it? No, because you just got to let it play. But, yeah, this is an interesting one. Um, there's a lot to get into here. But she's uh, talking about something that is um, that I found online. Um, <clears throat> it's a part of this Red Letter Living thing. Um, it's called the redletterchallenge.com. And Zach Zender... Um, Apparently compiled all the questions that Jesus asked, or you know, um, yeah, three hundred and five questions that Jesus asked, and you know, her conclusion is that it's all about relationship, right? And it's not about knowledge. Um, so so let me just push back on that for and react to that for a second. First of all, um, (laughs) it's a it's not about knowledge just like it's not about anything for its own sake. Um, Everything that life is about, and life is about a lot of things, everything that life is about and that life is composed of is ultimately for the purpose of God, right? For the sake of God. So that we can know God though, right? So knowledge of the truth is knowledge of the Lord. God is truth. Jesus said, I am the truth, right? He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus sets himself up as truth. And so God is truth. God is reality. So when we understand truth, we're actually understanding more about God. And as particularly as God is the highest truth. So so truth matters. Truth mattered to Jesus. Jesus didn't show up and say, you know what? I know all you guys want to know the truth. And you know what? I'm not here to tell you the truth. I am not. I don't care
1: about the truth. I'm not here to tell you a bunch of facts. I'm not here to tell you a bunch of knowledge. I'm here to have a relationship with you. Cause I'm in a relationship, you and what you do, and then I'm, I'm in, that don't mean you make me, you make me do what I want.
0: And I'm in a relationship. That's another one. That's another relationship song. Um, <laughs> relationship. I mean, it's just this, this kind of nonsense, right? It's like, well, you can have relationship with the devil. Life isn't about relationship necessarily. It's it's just as I said, it's not about knowledge necessarily, right? So you're just exchanging one feel-good term for another term. For You're exchanging. What she's doing is she's exchanging a term, knowledge, that doesn't make people feel good because it's connected to reason and we're a highly emotional society. And she's exchanging that for a word that does make people feel good, right? That does give them the boost, the boost gumps. <laughs> the goosebumps okay the boost gumps alright I'm southern now I got I gotta I gotta piss pronounce my worms okay so she's wanting to give people the goosebumps and so she uses a, a, a word that, that gives people good vibrations relationship mm, that's just warm and comfortable right when really both terms are relative okay so knowledge of what knowledge of of good and evil apparently knowledge of good and evil was bad jesus i mean the bible says that the knowledge the tree of the knowledge of good and evil god didn't want them to eat of that tree um so so and then in in terms of relationship eve had relationship with a snake eve had relationship with a snake and actually let's pull that up Let's pull that up for a second, hey, okay? Genesis chapter three, let's go. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Oh, what's that? That's a little question mark there. Interesting. It's interesting that the first question in the Bible is... Is given by the snake. (laughs) The first question in the Bible, you know, Jesus loved
1: questions. You know, he didn't like giving people answers. He wanted you to question everything, right? (laughs) He he was asked
0: 104 questions, and he only answered three. You know, it's like, oh, so Jesus is the snake. You know, this is the problem. You know. I suppose this is like some sort of perennial issue with women and the snake. <laughs> like, like there's some sort of connection between women and the snake. You know, uh, why why is this woman telling us what the snake probably would have told us? Right. Maybe this woman's a little deceived. Um, just saying. Uh, Eve was deceived by a snake. You know, maybe she, you know, has a relationship with with something that she shouldn't be having, I don't know, but I'm just saying, um, this is clearly the way Scripture is talking here about um, the you know the, the the snake questions. Look at look at what the snake does. The serpent questions what God had said. So God says truth to Adam, hey, don't eat of the tree of not the knowledge of good and evil. And then the snake comes along and says, but did
1: God actually say it? Did he say
0: it? You know, that's <laughs> right. It's like questioning God's word instead of accepting God's word, causing questions rather than answers. Jesus is the answer because Jesus answers the questions that we have. And I want to say, I want to, I want to take a look in, uh, at what she says about him not answering. And then also, I also want to take a look at him. Uh, asking questions because apparently jesus asked 305 questions now i want you to understand that this on the surface looks really smart this on the surface it looks like a really profound thing it's not it's not profound and it's not smart it's dumb because if you begin to understand the questions that jesus is asking you begin to understand that he's not actually asking questions (laughs) okay so in Matthew chapter, uh, 5, verse 13, here we go. The first question, Jesus says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Is that a question? Is that really a question? Is he really asking you a question? I mean, if that was a genuine question, he'd be insulting your intelligence because you know the answer to that because it's called a rhetorical question where the answer is in the question itself. He's, 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 it's it's a means of saying something to you right it's a form of it's a it's a uh, a use of persuasive argumentation he's saying if the salt loses its saltiness how can it be made salty again that's not a question <laughs> that's not a question he's saying it's it's a, it's it's like a, a an obvious fact it's self-evident right that's not a question that's not like, hey, I'm just I'm just curious. What's two plus two? <laughs> you know, I'm just curious. What's one thousand times three hundred and sixty-two? Right. I don't know that answer, by the way. So if I was genuinely curious about, he was he's not asking it from ignorance, and he's not assuming that you're ignorant. He's assuming that you know the answer. And look at all these questions. Look at all these questions that he's answering or th- that he's asking. These questions. Five uh chapter five verse forty six. If you love those who love you, what reward reward will you get? Again, rhetorical. <laughs> are not even the tax collectors doing that? Again, rhetorical. And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Rhetorical. <laughs> verse 47. Don't even the pagans do that? Rhetorical. <laughs> 625. Is not life more? Th- important than food and the body more important than clothes again rhetorical how much how are you not much more valuable than they again rhetorical so like literally this dude is saying that jesus asked questions and he didn't he he didn't <laughs> so this guy's deceiving people i've just read almost the first 10 and they're all rhetorical questions in other words they're not really questions they're statements of fact Depend like that are that are actually assuming that you are a person of common sense and you can figure out the answer on your own. Um. So and it's all over Jesus's. It's all over Jesus's stuff, right? It's all over his content. He's he asks. He asks rhetorical questions all the time. OK, so there, there's that. And then um, there are questions that he asks that are super practical, like. Here's, here's one in John, okay? Uh, in John chapter... Um, <laughs> here's one. He goes, Jesus says, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> ooh, ooh, you know, <laughs> like that's super profound. What a profound question. What do you want? Here's another one. When he's, at, when he's talking to the, the uh, Samaritan woman, Uh, in John chapter 4 verse 7 he says will you give me a drink (laughs) super profound now I mean there is a moment there is something to be said for that question because you know we're talking he was talking to her about the well of life and stuff like that but he that question was a was a practical question it was just a normal question that you would ask anybody here's another one he asks a guy do you want to get well you know again we're kind of rhetorical really like these are not these are <laughs> like, yes, I want, no, I don't want to get well. I want to be sick for the rest of my life, Jesus. I want to have, you know, <laughs> I want to have leprosy for the rest of my life. I love this. I love this stuff. Okay. And then here's another one. Um, here's another question. Matthew, in Matthew 19, Jesus, you know, I just want you to know, Jesus answers all the questions that are asked of him. There are no questions. That Jesus was ever asked by someone else that he did not answer, and um, the perfect example—I don't—they probably don't have it. Um, this is this is. Oh, sorry, Genesis, Matthew nineteen. Come on, English Standard Version. Come on, you can do it. Wow, this internet is slow. What is going on with my internet? This internet is super slow. Oh, here we go. Get it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Matthew um, 19, Jesus is talking about divorce, divorce and remarriage. And um, he's, the questions came, the, the Pharisees came up to him in verse three and they tried to test him by asking a question is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause and then jesus answered oh but i thought jesus didn't answer questions <laughs> Have you, and, then he, and then he says, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, there, therefore, a man shall leave his mother and father and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So you have to understand. Oh, then he goes, so they are no longer t- two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And they said to him, okay, hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Their question was based on Deuteronomy 24, not Genesis 2:24 right so they come up to jesus they ask him a question based on their understanding of deuteronomy 24 they think he's going to a- answer according to deuteronomy 24 and he says and he and he answers the question but he doesn't answer it according to deuteronomy 24 he answers it according to genesis 224 which says that a man shall leave his mother and father and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh so so G- see how, what Jesus did there? He didn't answer the question they wanted him to answer based on the premise that they had. He rejected their premise and then showed them his premise and answered the question according to his premise. And their response was, well, then why did Moses c- command one to give a certificate of divorce and send her away? Then he answers that question. <laughs> and he says, because of the hardness of your heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives from the beginning but from the beginning it was not so and i say to you whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery so so jesus answers the questions okay and there's really no other question even the disciples um you know th- they responded verse 10 the disciples said to him if such is the case of a man with his wife it is better not to marry And that's not even really a question, but he still answers it. (laughs) And he says his response to that is, but he said to them, not everyone can receive the saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been made so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made uh, eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this receive it. So. As in, receive the teaching that I've given you on the indissolubility of marriage. But the point is simply that Jesus—that's just one example. There are so many examples of Jesus mainly asking rhetorical questions, also very practical questions. But then, when he's questioned, he answers the question. But again, many times he uses this technique because he's—he's he's, what he's doing. He's—he's showing the Pharisees and the people around who are watching. That the fair, that the the premise of the Jews of his day was wrong, that their interpretation of the text was wrong fundamentally, and he is giving the proper interpretation of the text that would have been known to the prophets, that would have been understood by Moses, that would have been that would have been uh, agreed upon by the true Israelites of old. But he's he's trying to say to these Jews, no, you guys have it. You guys have totally distorted the law and the prophets because you 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 hate the law and you killed the prophets and you're gonna kill me but I don't care I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know correct you guys so the truth is is that no this woman um she's she's not she's yeah wrong you know he he Jesus on that point he asks more questions than he answers again, they're, they're all rhetorical questions. <laughs> so they're answers in and of themselves. So Jesus is a, you know, again, Jesus is a lawgiver, right? And But he's appealing to the common sense of the people. And he's really, by even asking certain rhetorical questions, right, he is doing things in a way that appeals to not only their common sense, but it shows them in many times the wonder when he says, "How much more does your hev- heavenly father uh care about you if your if your heavenly father cares about and clothes the the lilies of the field um and the, the the sparrow right how much more does he care about you well obviously the answer is a lot more right an incalculable immeasurable amount more so the answer is actually the answers that Jesus gives are profound answers. Um, and so Jesus is the answer. He is the one who answers our, our questions. And we can come to Jesus and, um, and, and have knowledge of the truth. And that's another big, big point here is that knowing the Lord, knowing the Lord is so important uh, because it's foundational to our relationship with the Lord. Nobody... You know, it's interesting. Like, <laughs> this is a woman, right, telling us that knowledge isn't as in, as important as relationship. But you know, I just want to say this: like, anybody who has any experience with women, uh, in in relationship, <laughs> should understand that women want you to know everything <laughs> about them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> women are like, why don't you ask me questions? Why don't you ask me questions about who I am? Why don't you care about me? Why don't you show some interest? Okay, like. Trust me, if
0: you've had any sort of relationship with any women in your life, w- w- whether it's your mom or your sister, it doesn't have to be romantic relationship. And if you have a romantic relationship with your mom or your sister, you're probably living in West Virginia and you probably don't even have internet, so you can't, you can't even watch this show. But the point is simply that, um, so you don't even know I'm, I'm offending you right now, but the, the point is that women want not want you to know them right so it's just ironic coming from this woman that she's like no it's not about knowledge it's about relationship and it's like uh you know but but if i was in a relationship with a woman she she'd emphasize knowledge right regardless of the woman it just shows you the contradictions that are existing in this woman's brain and, and in many women's brains, um, you know, not all women, uh, but a lot of them. They, you know, so so a good relate the way they characterize and and I would say this: <clears throat> women are right. I would say this. Let me just qualify what I'm what I'm saying here. Women are right to want knowledge, right? Because knowledge is that form of intimacy that we should want between between each other, uh, whether it be the knowledge between friends or the knowledge between lovers, the, the knowledge of each other um, is, you know, it's interesting that, that Genesis describes Adam and Eve in their intimacy as knowing each other, right? Like it says that when Adam and Eve, you know, it says that Adam knew his, his wife Eve and she conceived a son. Well, like, so the Bible even characterizes intimacy with knowledge. Oh, really? Yes, really. The Bible characterizes intimacy and knowledge together. And let me just say this. In John chapter 17, um, Jesus is Uh, giving his high priestly prayer, prayer, wonderful prayer. And Jesus said, it says in, in verse one, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Verse three, key verse, ready? And this is eternal life
1: that they may have relationship with you have relationship <laughs> no that they may know
0: you that they may know you the only true god and jesus christ whom you have sent this is eternal life knowledge of god that's why really uh, uh in classical theology um and uh, st thomas aquinas talks about this that the beatific vision is really the essence of, 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 of heavenly ecstasy. When we see God, but, but we, ha- we, we have knowledge of God. Um, and that knowledge of God transforms us. The knowledge of God transforms us. And, and right now we know God through his word. Through, through the revelation of his word and so you know that's why in in romans uh chapter six or sorry t- chapter 12 uh paul says i appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of god to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to god which is your spiritual worship do not be conformed to this world
1: but be transformed changed by what Relationship by the relationship you have with Jesus. Okay,
0: no, 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 no. We're transformed not by relationship. We're transformed by the renewal of our minds. Well, what are we? What do you mean renewal of our minds? Yeah, your mind needs to be renewed. Your you need to you need to think on these things. Think on things that are true. Think on things that are good. Think on things that are of the Scriptures. Renew your mind as according to the, the will of God and by re- renewing your mind by the scriptures, by the reveal, revelation of Jesus through the scriptures, that causes you to discern what is the will of God, what is good and perfect and acceptable. In other words, the emphasis here is on the mind. The emphasis isn't on the emotions. The emphasis isn't on how you feel. The emphasis is on the mind and by, by renewing your mind with truth— the knowledge of God, then you begin to discern properly. You begin to live properly. You begin to walk around and make good decisions. You begin to live in wisdom, and then that uh, that causes you to live in the will of God and and to live in goodness and, and that that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Knowing how to discern, we have a lack of discernment in our culture because we have a lack of knowledge. We have a lack of knowledge and, and, and because of a lack of knowledge, the Bible says, um, uh, the, I think it's in the book of Proverbs because a lack of knowledge, people are, are, uh, you know, destroyed and people destroy their lives through ignorance. They just, they, they get into things that they don't know what they're getting into. They're deceived Right, God wants you to be able to discern, so you aren't deceived. Notice what happened with Eve. She did not discern properly that she was talking to the snake and that she was near, uh, you know, and that he was deceiving her, uh, and that he was questioning the will of God. But we love questions. No, okay, we don't question the will of God. We obey it. So she was she was uh, being deceived because she wasn't learning how to discern, and that discerning comes by what the renewal of your mind and that's how you are transformed instead of being conformed to the world the world wants to the world wants to conform you and it wants to uh conform to, to you know ha- have you just become like they are without questioning and that's why so many things in our culture are are forced down our throats right and and we're not allowed to react we're not allowed to say and revolt and say, no, I'm not going in this direction. I'm, I'm getting up and I'm and I'm walking out. You know, Kanye West has this um, has this song where he talks about he's like, how do you stay faithful in a room full of hoes? The answer is you leave, <laughs> you know, don't be in a room full of hoes, <laughs> right? React, react to the room full of hoes. Get out. And and uh, so the, <laughs> there's got to be a reaction, a, a proper reaction. So, um, lastly, on the knowledge of God, notice what Paul says. And this, I'll end on this uh, in Philippians chapter three. And uh, Paul the apostle says that he says he he goes through all his credentials uh and his spiritual pedigree as a Jew and uh you know he's got like a triple phd you know he's like the most most brilliant Jew in the 1st century he's like i studied under you know the best you know sa- a rabbi in the sanhedrin and all this stuff and um And so he says, you know, I was circumcised on the eighth day, people of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of what? Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Notice he doesn't say, (laughs) I count everything as loss Uh, because of the surpassing worth of relationship relationship he says my relationship is my knowledge of christ knowing jesus christ for his sake i have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that's an interesting greek word there rubbish Um, in order that i may gain christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may, and check this out, last verse, or second last verse, verse 10, that I may know him, that I may know him. That's Paul's goal, to know God and to know the power of his resurrection. Come on, somebody. I want to know the Lord. I want a, I want a deeper revelation. That's why we call it revelation. Revelation of the word of God. Revelation of the nature of God. A revelation of God. We need to know the Lord. And again, intimacy and knowledge are are interconnected in scripture. Um So, so here we go. You know, that that's it. That's 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 my reaction. That's all I'm doing for that. Um, okay, so the next one, do we have time for an- another one? Uh, we're at 53 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, what, what? I don't know why you want to keep it under. Yeah, so we have plenty of time, right? We're at 53 minutes. We have tons of time, right? Because yeah. we, we, we're we going till midnight, right? Yeah, totally. Exactly. Um, <laughs> okay, I, I, I do want to do another one. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. Keeping it under an hour and 30. Okay. Let me. I think off, optimal time is just an hour. But
1: right. we're already past that. That's fine. Okay. So if you can shoot just to keep it under an hour
0: 30. Okay. Good. <clears throat> All right. Um, How's everybody doing out there? You doing good? You feeling good? Uh, We're going to do another reaction video. Uh, But before we do, I just want to introduce to you my cat. This is girl. Say hi, girl. Say hi, baby. Say hi, girl. Yeah. She doesn't she's really shy. She's not gonna say anything. She you know but I'll tell you what, as soon as this camera goes off, she starts talking. It's crazy. Um (laughs) Okay, so our next video is um an Instagram video. Oh, and look who it is. The one and the only Mr. Judah Smith. Let's go. When I'm not enough, I usually the, 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 the Bible uses the word not grind, it uses the word strive. Striving is effort with stress. And the stress is, it's effort to prove I'm enough.
1: I'm going to I'm gonna show oh. them.
0: And so what we do okay. is we put God in his place. God is in the like, I'm forgiven. He loves me category. But when it comes to like my daily life, that's up to me. Some of you are on the grind. We call it drive. We call it dedication. We call it commitment. But it's stressful effort to prove you're enough. And it riddles mm. your daily life. Mm. When he said he loves me, I got that... um. That Kirk Franklin song stuck in my head. He loves me, bah, da,
1: da. even when I fall beneath his wings. He loves me. Such a great song. Oh, oh, oh. oh, oh.
0: He loves me. Great song. Okay. <sighs> Maybe we'll play that in the video. You know, we'll just we'll just cue that. <laughs> we'll cue that up in the video. Um, okay. Look at what. Okay, so listen. I love Judas Smith, right? Um, what's not to love? The guy. He is. He is a world class communicator. Uh, Good looking. I grew up listening to to his sermons, um, and um, I was actually deeply impacted by his church early on. Um, I remember going to a youth conference when I was twelve years old, and. Experiencing what I would consider to be the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, it, it it rocked my world, and it was wonderful. And um, one of the pre, uh, pastors there was uh, Jude Fuquay, who I we have him at Theosu uh, teaching. I think he teaches a couple classes, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but I love Pastor Jude's church. Uh, I think he pastors in Ventura, California. Ventura? Yes, Satan. Um, so, so I love, um, you know, Judah Smith comes from, uh, wonderful Christian heritage and, uh, his father was, um, a real class act and an amazing guy and, uh, an amazing pastor and, um, and, and really I would say pre 2010 Judah Smith, um, is just straight fire. I really pre two thousand ten Judas Smith. I I think he I think he just would nail. He would just knock it out of the park. He was like the Mark Maguire, McGraw- you know, the Barry Bonds of preachers. Um, a lot of his early stuff was focused on holiness. A lot of his early stuff was focused on um, purity. Uh, he in fact he did a, a, a series, a seven part series on purity that still to this day rocks my world. And I don't know if it's available anywhere, probably not because they've probably scrubbed <laughs> all all the stuff he probably now disagrees with, um, that he would probably call himself like a Pharisee for saying. Um, and I don't know why, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is to be honest with you. I, I don't have relationship, uh, with, with Judah. Um, but you know, I love the guy. I, I have, I have a heart, uh, that, that, cares about his ministry but then you know here's the thing when he puts when he puts it out when he puts it up there right when he throws it out there for general consumption what are we to do right what are we what are we supposed to do here you know the guy throws it out into the masses i'm of you know i'm a reactionary so what am i going to do i'm going to throw it back (laughs) You know, you throw a tomato at me, I'm throwing the tomato back. You throw a pizza at me that tastes like garbage, I'm throwing that thing right back at you, okay? You got pizza on your face. Um, so, <laughs> so you know, he posts this post. He posts this clip for general consumption, and it's, it's, it's wrong, okay? Um, look at the caption. He says, striving, not required with God. Striving is not required with God. Well, I, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I'm not going to belabor this. But my reaction to this is that no, it's 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 actually fundamental to our faith. Striving is fundamental to our faith, um, and there's a, there's obvious context for that. Um, but let's go to um, I think it's Luke chapter thirteen. <sighs> And uh, Luke chapter 13, it says in verse 22 that Jesus went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and, t- teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And Jesus, oh, here we go. Jesus is asked a question. But of course, but of course, in his famous style, according to that lady, uh, he doesn't, he doesn't answer questions (laughs) and he just said he shut it down immediately and said talk to my talk to my agent uh you know his bodyguards quickly swarmed the person and uh you know whisked them away uh and whisked him away and (laughs) he was never to be seen ever again because he's it's celebrity jesus the celebrity jesus bible um (laughs) that's a new one that'll be good okay so Jesus is asked a question, Lord will those who are saved be few? And Jesus said to the person who asked him the question, verse 24. What's the first word? Strive. Strive to enter through the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able to enter. Strive. <laughs> Jesus, you know, no, Jesus would not say strive. Okay. Jesus, no, there's no striving in the Christian life. We do not strive here. Not required with God. Not required guys. No, Jesus, according to Jesus, striving is, is, is actually, um, how we get to heaven. We strive to get to heaven, strive to enter through the narrow door. It's a narrow door. Look at that. Jesus is saying that the door to heaven, the door to salvation is narrow, the door to eternal salvation is not wide, narrow as opposed to wide. Okay. And then Jesus says, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able to. Whoa, whoa, that's scary. Okay. (laughs) Hey, I want to get into heaven. Hey, I want to get into heaven. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because in the ark, right? The ark, uh in genesis chapter 6 was was built by by noah you know i think it's chapter 6 7 and 8 that covers the ark but the ark is built by noah and the the ark has one door and god god closes the door of the ark and i'm i'm sure that there were tons of people outside of the ark you know there were people while noah was building the ark saying oh you're an idiot you're a fool there's no rain what's rain you're you know, why are you doing this why are you building this ark you know you're you're an idiot and the, the the book of Hebrews says that Noah preached righteousness to his generation. So while he's building this ark, he's preaching about the judgment of God coming upon the earth. He's he's a prophet, hearing the voice of the Lord, telling him to preach righteousness and against react against. Here we go. Re- Noah was a reactionary. Hello, he you know he was reacting according to the word of the Lord, um, and he was reacting against the uh, degeneracy of his day and he was uh, the book of hebrews again hebrews chapter 11 it's it's saying that he was a preacher of righteousness well there were people outside of the ark making fun of him but you know what when the rains came and the floods came and the 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 whole world was was flooded and noah was in the ark they wanted to get in they wanted to get in. They didn't want anything to do with the ark while he was, while he was building it and preaching against the depravity of his day. But once, once the, once the flood hit, they wanted in, but you, you know, you have to understand something. This is, this is Jesus describing the same process, but on an eternal perspective with an eternal perspective, right? Jesus is saying, look, um, you know, Noah built the ark and you know what? Jesus, well, Jesus isn't using the, the the reference of the ark, although elsewhere Jesus says, you know, the, the coming of the Son of Man will be like Noah, uh, the days of Noah, right? So I'm, I'm using a, a parallel, although it's not explicitly in this text. But he says many will seek to enter and will not be able to. And, you know, really, again, to use the parallel of Noah and the ark, they wanted to get in, but they didn't want to serve the Lord to get in. And that's how you got in right? They wanted to get in, but they didn't want to get in because they loved God. They just they just didn't want to be, be punished for their suffering. And that's really what hell is, is full of. Hell is full of people who don't want to be there. They don't want to be there, but they also don't want to be in heaven. <laughs> and that's why they're in hell. They're in hell because they don't want to be in heaven, but there's nowhere else for them to go. So they have to be separated from the Lord according to his judgment. Um, So Jesus says, strive to enter through the narrow door and that many people will seek to enter the narrow door and not be able to. And I wonder why probably because they did not strive. Striving is a prerequisite to get into heaven. Striving is required with God. I'm sorry, Judah. I love Judah, but as Plato, as Aristotle said about Plato, he said, "I love my friend Plato, but I love the truth more." I love Judah Smith, but I love the truth more. I love the scriptures more, and the scriptures contradict what he just said. We are to strive to enter through the narrow door. Here's another scripture on striving. Hebrews chapter 4 Okay. So, um, in Hebrews chapter four, really quickly, he's talking, uh, Paul here is talking, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews according to, you know, tradition, but whatever, let's not make a big deal about that. Um, here chapter four is talking about, um, the failure of Israel, old Testament Israel to enter into the promised land and that God swore in his wrath, that that generation in the wilderness that rejected um, obedience to the Lord and re- and and did not have faith to enter in the promised land uh, that God would be with them and deliver them, they He God swore that they would not enter into His rest, and so they were they were cut off from being into the in the promised land, and they had to live in the wilderness uh, for the rest of their lives until they died, and really that is being used. Uh, as a uh, an allegory for heaven and hell and for salvation and damnation in this particular passage. And so it says in verse six, we'll just pick it up there, since therefore it remains for some to enter it. And uh, those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, Again, God appoints a certain day saying today through David so long afterward, the words already quoted today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts for if, jo- if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. Uh, So then there remains a a, a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. And then so people are like, oh, yeah, see, 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 Gabe, the passage isn't talking about working. It's talking about resting. Actually, look at verse 11. Let us therefore, the therefore is a uh, statement saying, since I've said, just said this, Uh, This is the logical uh, connection to what I've said previous. Let us therefore, look at that little word there. Let us therefore not strive to enter that rest. (laughs) No, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Strive to enter the rest of God, the rest of God being eternal salvation, where we are at rest in God, where we are, where all things have been fulfilled and all things have been completed and we are enjoying the Lord forever. Um, there is a striving in our salvation that is necessary. Okay. And so, so Paul says in verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. And, and he's saying, how are we striving by obedience, by obedience to the Lord, So that no one, and then again, and I say obedience because he's implying obedience by saying in the second half of the verse, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience that led them to not enter into the rest. So you enter into the promised land of God by obedience to the Lord. And really, it's obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? And our obedience is directly connected to our faith. Because faith without works is dead, right? So James is saying, look, you know, by our faith, we obey, right? If you have faith, you're going to obey. And so that, but that obedience, obedience is hard. Obedience is difficult. Obedience is a, it's, it's, it's there's effort involved. Yes, there is effort involved. And Paul says elsewhere that, um, let's, let's look at, um, well, he gives two, two different analogies, right? Um, he, he gives an analogy in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Oop, there we go. And he says, he says, do you not know in verse 24, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it run that you may obtain it so here, he, here he's using an analogy uh of a race of a runner and guess what i don't know if you've ever run before right maybe you should maybe you know if you're a little overweight maybe you should you know think about running <laughs> but i'm telling you anybody who's in shape will even tell you running's difficult right run, runners you know it's it's not easy work it, there's sweat There's, there's a lot of, uh, work striving, uh, to main, to maintain it, but even to get to the point where you can run, uh, for many adults, it's, there's a striving, but look what Paul says. He's like, you're running a race. And he says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we, an imperishable. So here, Paul is talking about the Christian life as being something that is actually something that we're working for. We're working and striving to enter in that, into that narrow gate. We, it's difficult to obey. It is difficult to do the right thing. I mean, try doing the right thing. Try doing the right thing, right? And then tell me how easy it is. <laughs> oh, you know,
1: Donald Trump shows up. I think I've done the right thing all my life. I think it's easy. I'll be honest. There's no striving. It's effortless. Really. it. I think it is. It's, I think I'm probably the greatest runner of all time. Uh,
0: you know, like we're not talking about Donald Trump Christianity. We're talking about biblical Christianity and, and Paul is comparing it to athleticism. And I'll tell you, you know, if you look at the top athletes they all have discipline in their lives. They're the most disciplined people. They'll get up at 4 a.m. and they'll work their butts off for five hours or probably all day, really, every day of their lives. To, to, and what Paul says is they're doing it for a perishable wreath. They're doing it for, for a perishable prize. They're doing it for a gold medal that is going to be destroyed when the earth is destroyed, <laughs> right? A gold medal that they can't take with them. They could put it in their coffin, but it ain't going to heaven with them, okay? Um, we... How much more should we be exercising our our spiritual disciplines in uh, hope of salvation? Paul goes on, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box. Here's another sports analogy. He's talking about a boxer. He's saying, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And that disqualification, again, he's talking about dis- being disqualified as a an athlete, as a person who is in a race to, 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 to win a prize, an eternal prize, an eternal crown of righteousness, not a not a perishable wreath that they would give to the Olympic athletes, but to act in the in the in the pagan Olympics, you know? But he's talking about he's talking about striving. This whole passage is about striving in the Christian life. And now let let me just let me let me bring a little bit more qualification here, okay? This is the last verse. Um Paul, hold on. Let me see, I think it's in I think it's in um 1 Corinthians. Let me just make sure. Um here we go. Paul goes on later on in in chapter 15 and of the same thing, he, he you know. So he's talking about running. He's talking about striving. He gives them actually a warning in the next chapter, in chapter ten, uh, again using Israel as an example of falling away. But he's he he goes on in verse in chapter fifteen, and he says. Um, in verse 9, I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But look what he says in verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no. You are not required to work hard, Paul. You are not required to strive. (laughs) But look look at what he's saying. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So the proper perspective that we are to have is to understand that the grace, everything that we are, we are by the grace of God. Okay. Look at verse 10 by the grace of God. I am what I am. So that's, that is the motto of the Christian. Okay. That is the deepest truth of the Christian life by the grace of God. In fact, that's the deepest truth of all life, right? Because it's by the grace of God that even the world was created. It's by the grace of God that anything exists. So, but, but specifically and particularly in the Christian life, by the grace of God, we do what we are able to do. Jesus said to his disciples, without me, you, you can do nothing. So without Jesus, we can't do anything, including strive, including work for Christ. Um, but so, so we have to recognize that the grace of God is the fundamental truth here. But we can't be preaching a half-truth. We can't be preaching just this message of grace and no effort toward uh, to cooperate with the grace of God, because Paul goes on the contrary and says, I worked harder than all of them, even though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So the, the grace of God is with him and he's cooperating with the grace of God and with his cooperation, he is striving. He is working harder than them all. He is he is an athlete running the race of faith, running towards the prize of of Jesus Christ. And it's the grace of God that caused him to do marvelous wonderful things. You know, planting all the churches, going on four missionary journeys, uh uh, uh you know, writing over half the New Testament and, you know, just you know causing signs and wonders and, and amazing things in and seeing hundreds of thousands of people come to 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 Christ. Um Paul the apostle did as he literally said I worked harder than all of them. <laughs> and he's talking about the other apostles, okay? Little brag, a little 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 humble brag there. But really, he's striving as he cooperates with the grace of God. The grace of God is the thing that allows him to run it is the it is the the blood rushing through his body as he is running his race and he he allows that supernatural power and depends upon that supernatural power of god to move him into his ministry and cause him uh to be a minister and it causes him both to take care of himself as a minister and to look uh well to his ministry so again you know uh striving we are to strive. We are to strive uh, for the um, for for the upward call. Okay, hold on. <laughs> last scripture. Last scripture, and then I'm done. Okay, because I know we're going over time today. Um, Philippians. We're going back to Philippians chapter three, and he says this. Oh, look! It's called straining toward the goal. That's the <laughs> that's a, that's that's the. Uh, the editors have uh, have titled that passage. Not that I have, look at what Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perf- perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Look at that paradox, wonderful. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my uh, my own. But one thing I do, one thing I do as the apostle Paul, one thing I do for, uh, you know, one thing I do is I just sit back and I rest, you know, John Mark Comer style. I just rest. I just Sabbath, man. My life is a big old Sabbath. No, <laughs> one thing I do forgetting what lies behind forgetting all the sins I've, I've I've done, forgetting all the time I've wasted, forgetting all the, the, the hurt that I've had in my past, forgetting all the things that, that are useless and worthless behind me, I strain to forward, straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. If in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. I love that. Forgetting what lies behind, straining forward by the grace of God to what lies ahead. Paul is pressing on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Let's let's cooperate with the grace of God today. Okay. Um, do we have time for one more segment, or the woke Jesus segment? Uh, if you can keep it within kind of ten minutes, sure. Okay. So our last segment is upon us. This is uh, the part of the show where we talk about the latest and the greatest uh, meme of the day uh you know i want to talk about woke jesus because i run the woke jesus account and you know i think it's it's uh, some fun stuff but you know we might we might pop over to other meme accounts we might pop over to theo's you memes you know we might we might see what's going on in the meme world a little meme magic um this is the latest from woke jesus um woke jesus uh today <laughs> look at this beautiful picture of jesus with a child and Jesus says, woke Jesus says, was it drag queen story hour fun? And the child says, yeah, because as you know, Jesus wants you to take your children to uh, drag queen story hour. That's what Jesus would do. WWJ day. I'll tell you what he would do. And then he says, Jesus, <laughs> he says, I can't wait to put you on puberty blockers. <laughs> I mean, that's real. Okay. That's real. That's really happening. Um, And then he says, make sure we don't tell mom and dad about your transition surgery, okay? And the child says, okay. You know, it's interesting. um, This was inspired by Gavin Newsom. I think Governor Newsom in California, he um, vetoed a bill recently that passed through the California State Legislature in Sacramento, which is the capital city of California. They passed a bill saying that Parents did not need to know about gender transitioning. Um, I don't know where the article is exactly. I'm not even going to look it up. Um, but yeah, that actually happened, and then he vetoed it at the last minute. You know, um, <laughs> you know, he was all his his party was all about it, and then he probably thought, yeah, this will probably come back and bite me in the butt, so he vetoes it. But I mean, that's what they're doing. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to. Um, They're trying to poison the next generation. And lastly, Jesus, woke Jesus says to her, you adorable little racist. (laughs) You know, because all white children are racists, right? Um, Who said that? I think somebody said that. Um, White children are racist. Racial bias in white children. Hmm. Developmental origins of anti black bias in white children. <laughs> Imagine, like, this isn't in you know, if you if you said black children are racist, not probably nothing would come up, right? But you got all these like New York University, The Atlantic, NBC News, Stanford News, Washington Post, NPR. They're just they're just all, you know, um explaining to, oh, this is good. Embrace race. Explaining to my eight year old that yes, she too is racist. Um, <laughs> raising anti-racist white children, you know, like, um, it's just it's it's absolutely insane. Um, so, so yeah, just remember, how, I, I want you to have a great day, and I want you to remember that white children are racist naturally; they're just born that way. Uh, of course, black children and Asian children, Indian children. Um, they're not racist at all. Um, or, you know, original sin doesn't exist in them. Um, they are going to be perfect and children do think racially, you know, it's just, <laughs> they totally think racially. It's just part of their genetics. They've, they all have PhDs in the nature of racial development and, um, and they just hate all races and, you know, you know, just Ask your six-year-old about race, and they will—they will literally just um, tell you all these facts about race um, instead of telling you that they just want to go to Dairy Queen. So, okay, well, that concludes our show. I hope uh, you've had a good time, and um, hope you've learned a couple things. I've had a lot of fun, and it's been—it's uh, been a great time. You know, just uh, reacting. Um, And uh, I hope that you all become Christian reactionaries, reactionary Christians. Um, This is the reactionary Christian signing off uh, uh, in ground zero in a bunker somewhere deep underground where the uh, woke zombies can't find me. Have a great day.